Good evening and welcome into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Shopta at C70. With me as always, David Jones at iPop Editor. Um, coming to you Sunday night. Hey, we're back on Sundays for once because, you know, apparently football games happen earlier or something. I don't know. I didn't watch anything. Um, I, I'm assuming David probably did. He has a lot of opinions to share about it. And if he does, <laughs> that's fine. I'll just cut that part out. Well, right now the Lions are currently in meltdown mode. So there is a game going on as we speak. Um, but yeah, uh, my, my interest isn't quite there like it was last week, but uh, if you, if you want to put a little St. Louis flavor in there, you've got Jamison Williams with the lions. You've got Sam Laporta, both St. Louis guys um, from the St. Louis or Illinois, Southern Illinois area. There's, so there's a little St. Louis tie in there, but I won't talk football this week. We will stick strictly to the exciting world of Cardinals baseball and everything that's gone on this week. I don't even know how we're going to get it all in in the next three hours because there has been so much going on. Yeah, I mean, it's it's jam-packed. It's absolutely jam-packed. Oh, I, you know, my personal opinion is that the Super Bowl is good for noting that uh, spring training is about to start. Uh, it's pretty much its only good use. So um, we are getting closer. Uh, we are getting to that point where what, two and a half weeks maybe now, I guess, uh, until pitchers and catchers report. And the Cardinals know who's going to play center field. Um, they don't necessarily know if he's going to play at opening day. Tommy Edmond gets an extension this week. The Cardinals buy out his arbitration years. Um, it's 16, 16 and a half, I think, million over the, for the two years. Um, what were you thinking? I mean, they came out. You know, we kind of a little bit talked about when they didn't come to agreement on the arbitrations, other things, what that meant. But what were you thinking when they actually extended him and, and bought out those years? I, I thought it was fine. Uh, you know, maybe maybe paying a little bit extra than what what he would have gotten in arbitration, but it avoids a headache. I, I know they just really did not want to go to the whole do the whole trial thing with him, so it's fine. I you know you've mentioned that it possibly removed a non-tender option next year. I, I would be shocked out of my mind if they did that just because they talk about Tommy Edmond being the perfect Cardinal. I, I think there's a better chance of a trade uh, that would have happened before then. But yeah, it's uh, it, it's fine. Good for him. Um, not a huge deal either way, but I, I'm glad that they're not going to have to do this trial because I know that that's probably something he would be dreading. They might even be dreading. So yeah. I'm good with it. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that you, anytime you can avoid going into arbitration, that's definitely a, a win. Um, I don't think there's <clears throat> the players' union has is the one that put arbitration in, and they're the ones that kind of keep it in because it does you know, help the salaries. There's no doubt about that. I think that um, salaries increases have have been tied to arbitration as much as free agency, but. Um, it ain't pretty. Um, and that's, you know, to sit there and, and, you know, we heard Ryan Helsley and, and others talk about it, you know, last year, it's not a pretty thing. So yeah, if you can avoid it, especially over some basically pocket change for the Cardinals, you know, $450,000, I think is the difference they were at. It makes sense. And it's probably, you know, 16 million, 16 and a half as probably, you know, Tommy Edmond only filed for seven this year, but he probably, if he'd won, he did gotten his seven this year, and he probably would have gotten something close to nine million dollars next year in arbitration, which is another reason I thought that you know non tender is a possibility. He's kind of getting expensive 
for a guy that has defensive versatility, but not a whole lot of bat to go with it. I, and again, I, I agree with you. The fact the Cardinals really do like Tommy Edmond have, have always been really high on him, maybe more so than anybody else in Major League Baseball. But it also feels like he's kind of coming to the end of his usefulness for the team. Yeah, that is a possibility. I know his numbers last year were down a little bit, but you go back two years and his numbers were, well, I guess down. He was a little bit of a below average player. If you look at his OPS plus year before, he was a little bit of above average player. You know, I know people use this as excuses all the time and I hate doing it, but I do wonder what it was like with him being in the WBC and having to go to Korea and play. Um, you know, we talked about the Cardinals that were stateside and how that affected them. And, you know, did it affect the arms? Were they tired and things like that? But Tommy Edmond really had to do a lot of traveling. Now, he his time was over before Newt's was and, and Newt was over in Japan playing. But um, which I guess Edmond and Newt were actually in the same um, region together when they Ooh. were playing. But Edmund talked a little bit about coming back kind of needing a day or two that it took him a little bit of time to kind of get back into the swing of things. I don't know. His numbers weren't that far off from where they normally were, but I do just wonder as the, t- the team as a whole, how much the WBC impacted that. And maybe we'll see something this year um, and see kind of what the reverse of that is. But um, yeah, you're, you're kind of looking at a guy who's going to be about a league average player. Uh, when you look at OPS plus you look at war, things like that. And yeah, you start getting into that seven million discussion, and it does seem like it's a little bit high for somebody who's about like that. Um, one thing I'm sure the Cardinals would talk about would be intangibles. That, that's mm-hmm. very much inside the Cardinal way. What the guy does that doesn't show up in the box score, and I do think Tommy Edmonds one of those guys. He has lots of intangibles. He he does seem like a good fit for the Cardinals, but you do wonder going forward with guys like Victor Scott coming up eventually. Um, potentially Dylan Carlson, you know, if he would hit, where would he be with the middle infield seeming to have a log jam right now? You do wonder where does Tommy Edmund fit? You could say long-term, but even more specifically, where does he fit in 2025? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'm sure they could find a place for him. I mean, heck, they found a place for Matt Carpenter this year, so it's always possible, but um, it, it does feel a little bit like, he's going to be one of those puzzle pieces that doesn't necessarily, then again, I mean, you know, injuries happen. We talk about the Cardinals needing depth, you know, that Tommy Edmond gives that in a number of different ways. You put Tommy Edmond on your bench and you know, he can play center. He can play third. He can play short. He can play second. You know, he can do whatever you need him to do on any given day. So, I mean, there is value there. Um, I, I do think it's interesting. Again, I would, I would really like to know, if it ever came up or which side turned it down. If, but the fact that they did not buy any out of free agency year, I mean, they only went the two years that they really kind of had, you know, still already had control of. I would be very interested to know if the Cardinals said, kind of see the writing on the wall. Um, or if Tommy Edmond wants to make sure he gets a bite of that apple and uh, turn down the Cardinals off, uh, extension offer there i don't know maybe no like i said maybe nobody ever brought it up they just said we'll just take these two years and we'll worry about it later um but i don't know i mean it feels like tommy edmund's been around for like 20 years now doesn't it um <laughs> yeah I, I it's hard to imagine that it's only really like you know he's just he's still got two years of arbitration left so um 
I don't know. It's an interesting, an interesting guy, but the Cardinals have been known to, you know, use a guy up until he gets to free agency and then part ways. Well, he's kind of going by what's been the, um, the philosophy of the front office this off season. And that, that's no one is here long-term. Uh, mm-hmm. We are not seeing anybody stay. that's under a huge contract. I mean, four years from now, who, I guess we're looking at Sonny Gray, Wilson Contreras, um, uh, well, Nolan Arenado, and then young guys. Uh, but the Cardinals really are not investing much in long-term players right now. So, yeah, I, I think it fits the mold of what they're doing. Um, they're looking to the future, but only in little pieces. And so I, I would say as of right now, he's probably not a cornerstone piece of their long-term philosophy. But as we know, that can change, and this front office can confuse us and can shock us with what they do. And sometimes they shock us by doing the very cardinal thing they could do. That's true. Yeah, in 2027, looking at what we have currently, that'll be Nolan Arnauto's last year on this, the roster. Sonny Gray will be here if he picks up the – or if they both pick up that option. It's a, it's a mutual option. Um, and Miles Michaels will be here. Um, he'll have another – uh, two years left on his extension, which, uh, no, Wilson Contreras. Thank goodness. I was reading that wrong. I was like, why is well, yeah, my, uh, Michael oh, still going to be okay. here that long? Maybe you're projecting yeah. another <laughs> extension. <laughs> well, I wouldn't rule it out, I guess, but no, Wilson Contreras will be here. So, and that's, I mean, that's pretty much it until you get into the arbitration. I mean, like Newton and Donovan and, um, Gorman, they'll be in their third arbitration year. So, I mean, Jordan Walker, Mason Wynn, those kind of guys, you're right. It's it's currently going to start being um, maybe less top-heavy uh, when you're looking at payroll, um, or maybe more, more top-heavy when you only have two or three of those guys, but um, and, a, and a lot of cheap ones. But this is a time of, of transition. And again, part of that is the trying to figure out what you're going to do with um, uh, broadcast rights and things of that nature in the Cardinals really don't feel comfortable putting out much when they don't know what money's coming in, even though they shouldn't have any problem with money coming in. Um, but yeah, I, I, that may be part of it as well. It's like, we're just going to, you know, lock up what we have to lock up, get that certainty that we can. And we'll worry about adding on payroll when we have to. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know what to believe anymore about some of this stuff. It, it seems like the financial issues have caused them to be more conservative. And then you hear them talk about how they're not really worried about the Bally's thing right now because they're going to get their full payment and that mm-hmm. ticket sales are close to 3 million. And so that they're, they're feeling good on that front. And so then you say, then why aren't you spending more money? And so that makes me kind of also say, okay, if you're not worried about the financial side of things, but this is all you're doing is this the new normal for the team? And maybe the new it's the new normal that's been the normal for many, many years. But there's times I want to just kind of shake them and say, stop talking. Please stop talking because you're giving us false hope. You tell us the payroll is going to go up and then you sign Wilson Contreras and then that's it. Where yeah. everybody thinks a shortstop's coming. They get into this season and we hear Bill DeWitt, DeWitt III talk about climbing up in the rankings for payroll. Yeah, they've jumped a few spots right now, but... Um, there's still a few more guys that need to sign. Uh, And once they do, the Cardinals are going to drop right back down to about that 
12 to 14 marks. So they're not really climbing the rankings. We hear them talk about spending $200,000. Well, or 200 million, excuse me. Mm-hmm. 200,000 would be more what they would do. Uh, but 200 million, they don't really tell us what that means. Is that going to actually be like the 26 man or is that the overall 40? Mm-hmm. They just, it's sometimes I'm just like, I just want to say, please stop talking because the things you say at the beginning of the off season, give fans some optimism and some hope that you're going to go make some big moves. And then you don't, and you leave us all disappointed and dissatisfied and discouraged. So please just keep your mouth shut. <laughs> um, and I say that respectfully, but I say that to the ownership and I say that to the front office who I know does not control the budget, but sometimes the things the front office says make the fans think that things are going to happen that don't. And we're left with an aging roster, an aging rotation, and question marks galore, and people saying this team is not good enough to win in October. So I- I'm going to stop my rant right there. But yeah, when it comes to the whole financial thing and the financial uncertainty, um, Maybe it's going to be uncertainty, and if it is uncertainty, at least be honest with the fans about it, but don't come out and say, nah, everything's fine, but we're still not spending. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hard to know. I heard, you know, I think I heard Bill DeWitt III mention some of the things about RSN's keeping things down, but then you hear most say there's not, and again, there shouldn't be because they're going to receive all their money this year, and, you know, with Amazon in the picture now, you know, I don't, I'm just going to, as you follow this, you don't know, does that mean that Valley's is going to stay alive? In which case, are they going to be able to get their money for the next couple of years or, or whatever? Are they going to go ahead and be able to pivot to, to direct consumer? You know, if they do that, doesn't that mean that there's some motivation to put a better product on the field? Or are they just going to assume that everybody's going to buy it because it's Cardinal baseball, which I mean, 80% of the fan base probably does. Right. I mean, even if it's even if it's terrible, it's Cardinal baseball and people. That's what they how they spend their summers, and if that's how they have to do it to, to watch it, then they're probably going to do that. I, you'll lose some, depending that come and go, depending on how well the product is. But there's they've got a core, right? I mean, in a core that stretches over like ten states. So I mean, they've got the possibility to make money. I. I don't know. I mean, again, I get the uncertainty and I get that maybe that's why they didn't go out and get into the Yamamoto situation or they're not looking at a Jordan Montgomery because he wants four years, um, you know, didn't get into any kind of reliever that had any lengths of, of contract on them. Besides the fact that you really shouldn't get on to contract with relievers. Um I don't know, but um, I think the next couple of years will be interesting. Um, I guess if nothing else, if people keep dropping off like this and they keep signing one-year deals, we'll always have an active off-season because they'll have to fill the spots. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm looking for silver lighting somewhere that one doesn't exist. Uh, yeah, you know, with the whole TV deal, I, I think you're always going to have better success with TV deals than you are with ticket sales especially when the team is bad. And the reason for that is most of the time people are going to pay up front. Like with MLB TV, a lot of people are paying the 129 or whatever it is up front for the season. You don't know how bad your team's going to be at that point or how good. Now there are monthly charges, which are more per month, the way it comes out. But I think for a lot of fans, that's what's going to happen. They're going to pay that annual fee for for things and and i don't know how it's going to work out um maybe the st louis blues are tied into that too i would imagine that something like that's going to happen so you're getting both 
Cardinals fans, Blues fans. And of course, there's an obvious overlap there and, and maybe bring in another market with that as well. Um, but there's always optimism going into a season, no matter how bad the offseason was when spring comes around people are optimistic about their team and so they're going to buy in now you start losing and that's when ticket sales start declining towards the end of the season and that's where you start hurting because people aren't coming to those last 30 games or people aren't coming to your games when you're losing and it's 109 degrees outside so i i could see the ticket sales thing being an issue um but yeah you wonder like are, are i don't know I, i'm still dumbfounded that this team has not done at least one more thing. That's what gets me. You mentioned Jordan Montgomery and you and I talked a little bit off mic um, earlier this week. And, you know, I look at this team and I look at this roster and I, I think this is going to be a good team, but I don't think it's going to be a great team. I, I'm not even sure if it's going to be a really good team. And yet I believe the difference between good and really good right now is one move. Uh, somebody like a Jordan Montgomery or a trade for a number two or number three, even though I know the market's not great for that right now. But my fear is that we're going to get to the end of this season and we're going to look back and say, this team could have made a run if they would have signed that one pitcher or if they would have traded for that one pitcher. You don't want your season to fall apart simply because you refuse to make that one move. And we're not talking about an $80 million a year move here. We're talking about something that might be 20 to $25 million. But that's where I'm afraid they're at right now. I think they're being so cautious with things. Um, I think this ownership is so risk averse. Um, or maybe they're so burned by their previous contracts that they gave out that didn't actually end up being what they wanted them to be, that I think they refuse to make that move. And yet that one move could put them over the top. Yeah. I mean, it would be nice. Um, it does help. And again, I think the Cardinals have, have, have used this to their advantage before that the NL central has not been active at all either right i mean we've seen a few moves here and there um and you were talking you sent me some earlier today that we were talking about what we want to talk about tonight but nothing that just really you know kind of moves the needle i mean the cubs probably aren't any better than they were you know they've lost bellinger and haven't really replaced him um although they could replace him with him i guess at some point in time um you know the brewers yeah okay um the reds are still a team that they have a lot of potential and you know have to see, but you know, the Cardinals have done enough that they're right there in that mix. Right. I mean, I think we've seen a lot of the projection systems that come have come out so far, have them 85 wins, 86 wins and leading the, the national league central. I mean, they're better in those projection systems than any other team in the division. So it's hard to say they haven't done something, but it's also very easy to say that, that's not, you know, that's not inspiring. That's not a team that you would expect does much more than show up and get beat, you know, in the first round. Yeah. And that type of thinking drives me crazy. You don't lead and you don't win by simply reacting to what your opponents are doing. If you do that, you're playing fear-based front office and you're only reacting to what the people around you are doing. That does not win. You win by setting the course. You win by setting the standard. You are the ones who take the ball and run with it. If you know, using another analogy from another sport, um, 
but set your own course. Don't just simply react to what other teams are doing. And the fact is right now, other teams are doing more. Uh, the Cubs have been kind of late bloomers in this offseason. They're making moves. We're seeing the Brewers make some moves. We're seeing um, the Pirates, actually. They signed Chapman, which they're probably signing him so they can trade him later for more for uh, for more prospects. But these teams are doing things. And the Brewers, you also look what they're not doing. They haven't traded Corbin Burns at this point. So they still have an ace. They still have Peralta. They still have two guys that may be better than, well, two guys that are definitely better than anybody the Cardinals have at number two or number three. So, yeah, this whole just reacting to what your opponents do or saying, well, they haven't done that much, so that's okay. That's not going to work. And it's especially not going to work years in the future. Because if you look at the other farm systems right now, They've all got guys that are ranked in the top 10, top 15, top 30 prospects, and they have more prospects than the Cardinals do, with maybe the exception of Pittsburgh. Uh, They've got guys on the way. Uh, They've got young, cheap, cost-controlled players on the way. The Cardinals have some, but not to that magnitude. But if you look at the big league club, it's, well, mainly the pitching staff. The Cardinals don't have the cost-controlled pitching, really, that's on the way. Maybe some mid-rotation guys, but not top-of-the-rotation guys. And so signing guys that are 36 years old to a one-year contract with an option for the next year, it looks so short-sighted right now. It's just, it is frustrating to me because I feel like this team is so close to being a lot better and they won't do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't know what else to say about it, honestly. I mean, they are, they, they have, played this conservative game for 20 years, 20 plus, almost getting close to 25 years right now and been very successful at it. Um, But I don't think they've adjusted to the fact that, you know, those mid, those mid, those 2000s teams that were so good that went to two world series had, you know, two hall of famers, a third that could have been a hall of famer. You have, you know, Carpenter and Wainwright who, you know, Wainwright probably is a possible veterans committee kind of guy that gets into the hall. I mean, they, you had a lot of top talent. And that's, I mean, you got Goldschmidt and Arenado who are both probably tracking for the Hall of Fame, right? Um, but, you know, that's it, probably, right? I mean, there's just, I mean, you never know what some of the young guys are going to do, obviously. And, they're, you know, maybe Jordan Walker just follows the Pujols path or something like that. But, it doesn't, it just feels like they just think we're not going to have to go out and get, they're not going to have to go out and spend, but they don't necessarily have the talent around these young guys that you can do that with, um, especially on the pitching side of things. And that's where you just see it. I mean, it's just like they're, you know, you kind of probably track it, at least mentally, right? And we're not, we talk about this, maybe it's not a hundred percent accurate, but it feels like, you know, those early 2000 teams were averaging, oh, you know, what they averaged, like 90, 92 wins a year. And it's just kind of steadily gone down to now it's 85, 84, something like that. And then, of course, and you, and then the bottom drops out on a year and you see what happened last year. So it feels like, yeah, they went out and tried to raise the floor of the pitching staff this year, but they haven't really enhanced the talent that's on this team to the point that they're going to be able to get back up there and contend with everybody else. Yeah, I think you're completely right. Um, 
you know, you look at the end of the season right now, let's say the Cardinals do win the division and they're in that best of three series. You say, okay, who are you pitching? Well, if everybody's healthy and you've not made any deadline moves, Sonny Gray obviously is your starter. That's happening. I don't know who your number two guy is. There's no clear cut number two and there's nobody. And it's not because you have so many great guys there, but is it Miles Michaelis? I don't think you feel pretty good about that one. Um, I think it's not out of the realm of possibility that Steven Matz ends up being their second best starter this season. Uh, but they right now, the rotation outside of Sonny Gray, they just don't have the guys that have that high ceiling. Um, it's kind of guys who their ceiling and their floor is almost one and the same. And you know what you're going to get, and you're going to get something decent, but you're not. no one's just going to come out of nowhere and just shock you with what they have. And so, yeah, it, this team being conservative, which is kind of the cardinal way, it, it just gets frustrating at times, um, especially, and I'm not saying because other teams are spending, they need to spend too, but uh, yeah, I am kind of saying that, that if other teams are going to up their spending and if other teams are bringing in talent, then do it. Yeah, you don't want to waste your money on things. Uh, Dexter Fowler was probably an overpay. Mike Leak probably got a little too much money. Uh, Cardinals have given a lot of money to some relievers that never panned out. But there are some guys out there who you can look at the numbers and look at the metrics and see that they're probably worth what you could give them, and they would improve this team and improve this rotation. I think the offense is going to be okay. Uh, now there's some question marks once Goldie and Arenado are gone, and you hope the Cardinals figure that out. But they seem to develop hitters pretty decently. Um, you know, you've got a pretty good core there right now. But on the pitching side of things, especially the starting rotation, it is just not going to add up. Uh, it might be good enough to win the Central or get a wild card spot, but. I can't see them going any further because right now they don't have the guys that can go one and two in a series. I'm old enough to remember when the Cardinals, all they did was develop pitchers and couldn't develop hitters. So (laughs) it's been a bit, um, and, and, you know, you're right, but you, uh, you know, let's, you want to be, you want to get worst case scenario to some degree. Um, what if the Cardinals have such a tight race to the end of the season that Sonny Gray has to pitch the last weekend of the year? And you have to go into this this first round of the playoffs, which I don't remember what. It's usually the day after, right? You get a day off. Um, with maybe it's a Michaelis Lynn, maybe it's Lynn Gibson, you know, maybe it's Matts and one of those other guys. Bullpen game, them. yeah. Maybe, maybe maybe we might feel more confident with that, right? <laughs> Depending on <clears throat> how all these. Uh, arms of the Cardinals have been stockpiling this summer, this off season have, have been that way, but you know, that's the thing. I mean, there's just not any insurance there. There's no insurance. And we've talked about this before, you know, if Sonny Gray gets hurt this season has a real good chance of being just like last year. Um, because there's just nothing that supports him. You know, if you had gone out and if you go out and get a Jordan Montgomery, at least you still have somebody at the top of that rotation. If something happens, but you know, now it's a it's a heck of a step from Sonny Gray to the rest of that rotation. Yeah, you referenced that on your interview with Katie Wu about Sonny Gray going down, and I, and I I remember where I was on the road when I heard that because I just kind of <laughs> let out an audible ugh. Because if that happens, in a lot of ways, you feel like your season's over with. I think. I, I mean, if he would go down in spring training, do we have any hope? 
for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think back to 2011, do you remember how heartbroken everybody was when Wainwright went down with his injury? Like we thought mm-hmm. the season was over at that point, but the Cardinals still had Chris Carpenter. Uh, the right. Cardinals still had a pretty good rotation without Wainwright. Now, we didn't think it was World Series worthy, and for most of the season it wasn't, but they still had a decent rotation, um, pretty good. If you compare it to the rotation they have now, it looks a lot better in 2011. They don't have that now. If Sonny Gray goes down, you don't want to say the season's over, but it. I think it's over unless some, but something happens and Matthew Libertor and Takoa Roby just start looking like coming out of nowhere and rookie of the year candidates or something like that. Um, uh, maybe, but I, I just, yeah, they don't have any insurance. You have to hope that your number one stays healthy all year. Now your four or five goes down. You've probably got six or seven, four or fives. Mm-hmm. You can replace right. them with right now, but yeah, that's where the Cardinals have kind of left themselves. And I, I kind of feel, uh, I don't know. I feel like we've been down this road before with the Cardinals and saying, you know, you can never have enough pitching. They were convinced that they had enough and they didn't. And this is the where they found themselves. Mm-hmm. It just feels like history is about to repeat itself. I'm not saying Sonny Gray is going to get injured, but I feel like we're going to find that this team has a lot of mediocre pitchers, but very, very few good and great pitchers. Well, listen, right now, if if things happen, like if if somebody got hurt in spring training, with Jordan Montgomery still not signed, with Blake Snell still not signed, with you know a couple like that, there is that possibility the Cardinals would then say, "Okay, we've got to go out and get one of those guys." It kind of like what they did with Kyle Loesch when they brought him in uh, during spring training, uh, what two thousand and eight. They might sign uh, Kyle Loesch. That might they be might. what they do. I mean, we're playing the hits, guys. So I mean, I Chris Carpenter's working for the Angels. That's the only reason you can say that he can't be here. So. Um, but yeah, I, I think that you know you you have that possibility. But it, again, if you get into season, or if those guys sign here in the next couple of weeks, y- there is nothing out there that helps you absorb that um, when you've had the opportunity to do that. Um, and I get, I know that Mo says, "Hey, it's hard to bring in a starter when you've got your five rotation spots filled." Well, one, you know. Like somebody else, I said, I don't remember who said it, but you know, like every major league pitcher thinks he's better than the rest of that next guy, right? So you bring somebody in, you know, you've got a competition, and you know, maybe you trade somebody, maybe you put Matt's in the bullpen to be the swing guy. But you know, the other side of that is don't sign Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson at the same time, <laughs> you know? Lance Lynn, and we, Lance Lynn wanted to come to St. Louis, which is great. Kyle Gibson wanted to come to St. Louis, which is great. And, and, I, you know, Gibson at the time, there was some talk about he had talked to some other teams. Maybe you feel like you have to get him. Fine. But if you tell Lance Lynn, look, we are going to sign, you know, we're interested in you. Let us have a chance to beat any offer. And then you go out and do something else, or, you know, at least be in the market for some of the other guys. Lance Lynn's still going to be there. I cannot imagine the way this pitching market has gone that Lance Lynn would have been he might still not have a contract, right? I mean, af- after last year, I mean, is that, I mean, is that, I'm not saying that because, you know, Lance Lance bad or anything, but you look at what he is last year and you look at how, where he is in his age and you look at how this winter has gone. And some of these people that are still looking for contracts. I mean, it's hard for me to imagine a team that would have gone out and gotten him 
you know, you could have, you probably had that to, to hold, you know, hold in the back pocket and still be able to, you know, at least engage with people like Jordan Montgomery. But now you've got your, you know, all of a sudden you filled up those five spots and I don't know, somehow other teams are able to have six or seven starters. I don't know how this works, but the Cardinals may only can have five. And, you know, if you're only going to do that, if you know that that's your issue, you know, I think you let one of those guys, you just can't sign both those guys at the same time because, you know, I get stability. I get the, but you know, you get one of them and, and you put, you put, if you had the one of them and you put Zach Thompson in that fifth spot, how much different is the season going to be? I, I don't know that it's that much. Yeah. The Cardinals were the people that showed up at 5 a.m. at Target for Black Friday and then looked around and realized no one else <coughs> was there because all the sales were online for the next month right. and then walked in and bought an air fryer and Kerrig at normal price, thinking <laughs> they found a great deal when that was the same price it would be in June. So, yeah, they, I think they thought they were going to be early to the game and beat everybody, and they did. But I, yeah, I don't think it was necessary. Now, maybe one of those guys, maybe Kyle Gibson was being highly sought by some clubs and maybe he would have signed. But there were a lot of Lance Lins on the market. There are still a lot of Lance Lins on the market. Um, it wasn't a hot commodity. It wasn't a one of one that you had to go out and find or else it was going to be gone. Yeah, Sonny Gray was that person. Yes. Right. But for a four and five or whatever these guys are going to be in the rotation, that mm-hmm. wasn't necessary. And so, yeah, I, I think uh, there's part of me that wants to say the Cardinals were prudent. There's another part of me that wants to say that they got caught on this one, and, and it's a little bit embarrassing. So I don't know. I'm somewhere in between embarrassing and prudent, um, and that's why we are where we are. Yeah, I mean, I'm just kind of looking at the the names that are still out there um off of MLB trade rumors and I mean there's some I mean granted there are names that are more names from the past than names currently. I mean like Corey Corey Kluber, probably nobody's signing Corey Kluber and things like that. But and I know Zach Grinke has typically at least been reported to not want to come to St. Louis. Um but I mean it just you know there's a few names out there that might have you know at least been worth you know, if you didn't get a Lance Lynn, you could at least turn to one of these guys. Now, maybe they weren't just, you know, huge ambassadors for, I want to come to St. Louis. You see, you give them enough money, they're going to want to come to St. Louis. <laughs> um, and, you know, yeah, they weren't the nostalgia hit that bringing Lance Lynn is, but, you know, you already, if you knew you're already talking to Matt Carpenter about showing up, you knew you were going to hit that note anyway. So, I don't know. I just, somebody said, I don't remember who it was. And, and I don't know if it was, maybe Jeff Jones. I don't know when he talked to me, but it was something like, it, it was almost like the Cardinals gave Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson both the contract offer and both of them accepted at the same time. And they didn't feel like they could back out. Um, and that almost feels like what it was, right? Cause they were right on top of each other. It's like, they didn't, you know, they thought, well, we better you know make sure we get one of these guys, and they accidentally got both. Yeah, I, I kind of did that on eBay this weekend. I made two offers onto baseball cards or football cards and didn't think that they would both get accepted, and they did. And so now I'm having to pay for both of them. The difference is I'm paying $2 for each one and not $13 million and putting them in my rotation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it does kind of seem like that. It was... 
yeah, we got to make sure we get one of them. Oops, we ended up getting both of them. Um, yeah, it, it's still a little bit baffling. Yeah, like you said, you look at the market. Like the A's signed Alex Wood uh, mm. yesterday. Um, now, would I get excited about Alex Wood in the rotation? No, probably not. But he kind of fits that same mold. Um, he, he was out there until now. He signed with the A's, which you don't sign with the A's until there's no one else to sign with uh, <laughs> or unless the money's really good. But yeah, um, with a slow moving offseason like this, uh, there was time. Uh, yeah. And yes, it, you may not end up with Gibson and Lynn, but you might end up with their equivalents or you might end up with Gibson and Pencil and another name. But it is what it is, which means yeah. it's code for. Ugh. <laughs> That is, that's usually the way people uh, respond when I say something on the podcast. So I understand. <laughs> it's like, uh, can we go back to the other person again? Um, anyway, I, before we, we've gone a little long because we got ranty, um, but some of the, the yeah, some of the prospect lists have come out. I know you've been following along and looking at those. Is there anything that stood out to you on that? I mean, we're seeing the same names, right? I mean, you're seeing the the wins. In the her, um, the Sagaces and Sagaces, sorry, uh, and others like that, but Roby, but it's it's where they show up. I guess it's kind of interesting. Yeah, I think the best quote I saw came from Baseball Prospectus, and they said seventy percent of the Earth is covered by water, and roughly the same amount of this Cardinals list is covered by catchers and back half rotation projections. <laughs> Yeah, that does make a lot of sense. Um, you look deeper and you have a lot of catchers and you have a lot of pitchers, but pitchers who probably aren't going to be top of the rotation guys. Uh, there was nothing too shocking on here. Um, it was a very, very Cardinals list. Uh, Mason Wynn, no matter who you're looking at, if it's Baseball America, Baseball Prospectus, MLB pipe, Pipeline, Mason Wynn sitting at the top. Mason Wynn is for the most part in the top half. Um, Baseball America had him at 39, Prospectus at 53, Pipeline at 43. But then there's kind of a drop, depending on where you're looking. Um, and that's it's a very Cardinals thing. Uh, the Cardinals don't have that electric high ceiling guy. They have a lot of very good players or very good prospects, guys who are not going to light it up, but guys who could be very good or could be above average players. Uh, so JC's one of those guys who they've talked about. He very great hit tool waiting to see where the power comes position comes. I know baseball America's talked about it. He could be a 270, 280 guy who possibly hits 20 to 25 home runs, which I think you take. I think that is a good big leaguer. A lot of question marks still about Tink hints. Um, I think it, uh, I'm trying to remember which, which group it was. It may have been, um, MLB pipeline that said he's probably a top 50 guy. If he stays healthy after throwing a hundred innings, that that's what we're waiting to see that he still has not really been unleashed to throw. Um, thought it was very interesting. Victor Scott was 83rd for baseball America. He was 64 on prospectus, but he did not even make MLB pipelines top 100. Um, little bit shocking to me on that one. I thought he would have been on there for sure. Uh, but he was on the others and baseball America absolutely loves Victor Scott. They just, they said his defense is elite. Uh, his speed, he is like an 80 speed guy. He's going to get on. If he puts the ball on the ground, he's going to get on from bunting. They say he's already an excellent bunter right now. It's just a matter of seeing if that hit tool develops a little bit more. And if the power comes along, uh, they think he may actually develop some power, some lefty on lefty power, and that could actually bump his rating up even more, but uh, they are very, very high on him. And 
The other thing that surprised me a little bit is that Baseball America has Takoa Roby over Tink Hintz. They think that Roby is kind of on his way to being a very, very good pitcher and a very reliable pitcher if, and we hear this all the time, if the shoulder can stay healthy. Uh, but he has four pitches that could potentially all be plus above average pitches. And so they think Roby could be, I don't want to say top of the rotation, but he could be a number two, maybe a high number three where others have him as kind of middle of the rotation guy, but they're very high on him just depending on what happens this year. It's going to be a big year for him. So that's kind of my nutshell breakdown of what's going on uh, other things out there that you can find you know chase davis made 101 on baseball prospectuses list um so jc's the number four second baseman for mlb pipeline yet did not make their top 100 which is so weird uh but yeah um i think there's some things to be really excited about if you're a cardinals fan especially when you consider a guy like Jordan Walker just graduated when you consider a guy like Herrera is still in the system wins going to be playing with the team. So I think that's exciting. I also think it's important not to get too high or too low on these lists. Um, as many fans will remember, we've seen that um, Dylan Carlson was very high, even reached 13th in 2021 really has not panned out. Uh, Steven Matz is a guy. He was 15th on the top 100 in 2016. Um, hasn't really lived up to that billing, even though he's had some good years. But at the same time, guys like Lars Newbar and Brendan Donovan, they've never made one of these lists and mm-hmm. they look every bit of the part in the majors right now. So um, these th- lists are fun to look at. You definitely want to be on there and have your players on there, but it's not an end all be all thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's something with the path the time to some degree. Right. I mean, especially this time of year when there's not as much going on, but it is, it gives a feel uh, for things and, you know, Somewhat, it's a nice little shorthand for when the trades do happen and later in the year that, okay, this guy's rated 50th on the on the BP list or whatever the case may be. And you, you got to feel maybe like, okay, you feel good or bad about that. Um, but, you know, prospects are always a, a bit of a crapshoot. So uh, much like the playoffs, much like pretty much anything in baseball, I think is really boils down to is nobody knows anything. And I think we've proven that over the last uh, 40 minutes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's fair to say. Yeah, probably so. But hey, we'll try again probably next week. Maybe not. We may wait a week or so and see if there's some stuff that starts trickling out as it gets closer to time for the uh, pitchers and catchers to report and people start getting down to Jupiter and uh, we start seeing pictures and videos and um, podcasts that are done on the backfields uh, and you can't understand anything. Um, but until then, for David, I'm Daniel. Good night. Burke deep out in left center. Tavares pulled over into a right center. Lane pacing in his right field position. Albert digs back in. Open stance deep in the box. Bends at the uh, knee. Holds it down on the end. League is ready. With two on and two out. His 0-1 pitch. It's coming. Swing and a long one. There it is, baby. The Cardinals take the lead as Albert Pujols comes through in the pit. And the Redbirds lead this baby 5-4. to four. What'd I tell you, folks? David Eckstein, the man. This could be a crushing blow, a crushing blow to the Houston club. Albert Pujols, you talk about a most valuable player. How is that? Woo! That thing left the ballpark in a hurry a three-run home run and the cardinals lead five four